0: Well, it is good to be back this week. We are going to be continuing, really, it's a carryover from last week, the message from last week. How many were here last week? Yep. So it's amazing because a lot of you were excited and I was kind of, I wasn't nervous, uh, but I just didn't know quite how when you talk about rules, how that's going to land for people. Um, We did determine that some of us are better rule followers here than others. Um, are more excited about that. But, you know, as we explained and as we explored last week, you know, there are rules are good, right? There are, there are good rules. Uh, rules, sometimes they will keep you alive if you've ever been to a shooting range. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, there, there are some rules there. And those rules are there for your safety. I had the, the opportunity to take my oldest son, Isaac, uh, for the first time with a couple of guys here from the church that joined us. And uh, we had a, he had a great time. And he's still here. So, we we followed the rules, and you know, I, 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 yeah, we're we're all present, and every appendage is accounted for. So. Um. So that was good, you know? and so you know, we, we recognize that while sometimes rules can be um, obnoxious, if you will, or, or you what's know, um, stifling, it, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about here's, here's kind of how we play the game, so to speak, or how we're going to operate and how we're going to walk, and so we've, um, we've been exploring this. Last week we started, and as you can see the sign behind me, which will end up on the wall uh, hopefully this next week, um, it's, it's our house rules. And growing up, we also talked about that. Like in our homes growing up, our parents probably had some rules. In our houses now, we probably had some rules. And we also recognize, too, that not every um, home has the same rules, right? Um, I'll never forget, you know, we had friends and, you know, we, we ran our home a certain way and they came over and we love them. And, and we, it became very apparent that their house rules were very different than ours. Um, you know, their kids are like doing like backflips off our couch onto the next couch and everything else. And we're just kind of like, you know, we're, we're, we're relaxed, but maybe not, you know, looking for a gymnastic performance across our sofa and, you know, and everything else and coffee table. So we just see that it's very different. And so we want to be really clear here at at Long Grove Community Church, kind of what our house rules will be. Um, So this is what we're going to do last week. If you missed last week, you can go online and you can watch those. It's not like you have to walk out right now because you missed last week. You know, we're just going to finish up the last three. We did the first three rules. And uh, as you can see on the sign here, our first three rules are, you know, one, first and foremost, we submit to the Word of God. And we, we covered the importance of that being the starting point. The rest of them, you know, they can kind of get shuffled up a little bit. It's probably not that big of a deal. But that first one that we submit to the Word of God because that's where we all have to start, Amen. We have to start there because this is our authority. This is where... We, what we adhere to, our, and where we start, and this is how we all abide by the same rules, right? And so understanding that, and we, we walk through that, and that what, how important that word submitting is. It's not that you're being forced, it's you are giving that. You are submitting yourself voluntarily, because again, God is not going to force you, but we have to submit to the Word of God as our standard. Uh, number two, we talked about loving people unconditionally, and it's still, still that unconditionally part. just still so hard to get off the tongue, isn't it? You know, we talk about loving people, but as we talked about last week, some people are more lovable than others. And don't nudge the person next to you um, if that's the case. But, but some of that is true. You know, and true love. And I love that we we finished, <laughs> we finished with that song. Oh, how he loves us, right? And we're talking about Christ's love for us. And I. I sat there, and as we're singing that, and I just think about again. You know, we talk. As I said earlier, we're thinking about how you know precious life is this week, and just to think about Jesus laying down His life for your sins and for mine. And as we remembered that, as we took communion today, and I hope, and I, you know, some of you I like, I like the way that you approach. Some of you will come up and you'll, you'll pull the bread and and either you you dip and you take it, and then you kind of pause for a moment. And I want to encourage all of us, you know, don't, don't feel, I know there's a line and we're trying to move you through and somebody might be kind of, you know, kicking you and like get, get moving. We don't want to do that here. We, we, I love that just, you know, take a moment and pause because I, I say this often here, we don't want to ever do any of these things. I, I know they're familiar and I think when things become familiar, that's a dangerous spot sometimes because it just, we kind of just do things, we go through the motions, right? But that's why you know, Pastor, some of you ask Pastor, why do we sing so many songs in this church? <laughs> it's because we're just we're slow, right, to get our brain in, and, and turned off of all the other stuff, and we want our heart to become engaged, right? And so it's hard, you know. Even when we start services here, it just takes a while for all of you to kind of like, hey, oh, the services started. You they're, they're on the third song, um, you know. Just that's, It's just kind of being aware, and it, it takes time, right? It takes time to wind conversations out. It takes time to kind of quiet the things that happen, even on the way here, or what happened this morning, or what happened this week, and that's what that is. As we turn our hearts to the Lord, as we lift our voice to the Lord, and we sing those, those songs, soon our heart becomes engaged with what our mind is, is saying and what is coming out of our mouth, and then pretty soon we're worshiping God with our whole being, amen? And that's what we want to do. That's everything that we do here, you know, it is. It's, we're always meeting in the same building. We're always facing this way. We're always, everything looks the same. And I want to encourage you to always pause. Always think about what you're doing. What, make sure your heart is engaged with your actions. Amen? And, you know, I, that just is what struck me as we were singing that today as we're talking about this loving people unconditionally. And what better example than Christ in laying his life down on the cross as people are, are jeering and they're 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 they're, they're uh, cursing him and saying these horrible things. And what does he say from the cross? Father, what? Forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. That included the, probably the, the, those those same soldiers that drove those nails through his hands and feet. And that that is God's love for us, right? I want us to understand, church, that it's we can't like muster that up. We can't muster up enough love for every single person to be unconditional until we first can lock our eyes in and the more time that we spend gazing and dwelling on on who God is and his love for you and for me and what he did and as it was put on display on the cross, that is the place, then from that place we can turn and extend love to others. We must understand the love of Christ and, again, the, how just substantial that sacrifice was because life is precious. You know, we, we, if you're like me, I know for me, in my mind, I'm like, well, he's, he's God. So, I, you know, we know now he's going to rise on the third day and he's, he's eternal, right? But still, the, what he went through and what death was, was a display of his love for us. And so he loves us, and so we can love others, especially here as brothers and sisters. Number three, we speak the truth in kindness. We speak the truth in kindness. And again, remember, hopefully I know you guys got notes, right? If you have it, listen, we have to do it in kindness. Being right is not right all the time. And what I mean by that, just so it's not misconstrued, what I mean is you may have the right answer, you may have the truth, but how you go about that and how you presenting that to someone else, how you engage someone, especially if it's correction or, you know, we talked about rebuking, if you are not in the place, if your heart is not in the place of doing it uh, in kindness or in love, then you are wrong, even though you are right. And so I want to encourage every one of us here today that, and, and, and this is something that we've, we've lost a bit, and, and I don't want to, this will kind of actually probably is a good springboard into our first one we want to get in today about, you know, we resolve offenses face-to-face, is, is this is a lost art, isn't it? When's the last time, you, you know, you sat down face-to-face with somebody and said, you know, I've got this issue with you, and I need to talk about it with you. Let me say this as that as your first step, or was your first step to go on Facebook or some other social media? You don't say their name because you're going to respect them, even though they're your friend and they're going to see it. And you're going to lay it up. Come on, just keep looking at me. That's what happens all the time. I mean, I don't know about you. I see it all the time, and it's just like you want to ask, like, did you did you ever talk to that person? <laughs> Did you go to that person? Did you, have you done anything? You know, th- there's something about, we you know again, we go with the truth and kindness, but as we move into this, uh, this, this fourth one and our first one today, we resolve offenses face to face. I want you to really grasp that last part, especially the face to face, right? Face to face. It's so critical to, to understand that. And it, like I said, it, it is a lost art in a lot of ways. So let's just kind of explore this statement, you know, we resolve offenses face-to-face just a little bit more. The first word there, you know, after we, is resolve, right? We resolve, and the definition I would would use for that is to deal with, listen, successfully, or to clear up. (laughs) All right? To deal with successfully or to clear up. That's what resolving is. It's... It's, it's, it's being willing to go into that difficult conversation and to talk through it and to deal with it, right? Now, that person has to be willing, okay, to, to, to have that conversation. That person has to be willing to listen and, you know, to, to, to receive what you're sharing, especially that is why it's so important to share truth in love. And this word offense is, is again, remember, we don't just always receive offense, what else do we do? <laughs> Maybe you don't realize it but you do offend others sometimes. And so it's both it's it's either it's either one. And we have to realize that and so we want to resolve these offenses whether we've caused it or whether we are on the receiving end, we want to resolve these things because because it's vital for especially the body of Christ to function. Especially in a church our size, right? <laughs> Unless you go through the basement and out the back door, you're going to walk past that per- You're going to see that person all the time. So we have to be willing to, to, to address those things. We have to be willing, uh, with the word of God and with truth, submit ourselves to that and go to that person face to face. Has anybody ever heard of the book uh, called uh, Crucial Conversations? Listen, it is, it's a secular book, but it is so crucial that you read that. That one just bombed. Um, And that's why you need to read the book because you're not receiving what I'm saying right now. You're not hearing it. Come on. You guys are sharper. Or my jokes are usually better. I don't know. But Crucial Conversation, it is is a great book because we recognize, it's recognizing the conversation that you have to walk into. It's recognizing how to step into a difficult conversation with somebody and how to walk that out. And, And I don't, I don't, recommend books every week, all right? I, I, this is a really good one. It, it was very helpful because it shows the importance of having that conversation. And if you get a chance, you know, check that out. And and it, and it does help because there are some practical things on having a difficult conversation with somebody. How many have a difficult conversation on your horizon that you need to have with somebody? Right? Wow. You guys are really doing well. So there's four people. So make sure you guys check that out. But for the rest of us, it. You may be today be fine, but there is one on the horizon, I promise you. Or you're unaware of one that's coming, okay? So just be aware and understand that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And as we talk about resolving offenses face-to-face and referring back to the first that we submit ourselves to the Word of God, that's where we're going to turn this morning. And we're going to begin in verse 21. Again, these are the words of Jesus. He's speaking here, and he says this. He says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Okay, so pause right there for just a moment. So understand he's taking it now from simple actions to an issue of what? An issue of our heart, right? He's saying if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be angry with people, right? There are times where it makes me angry and it's hard sometimes to keep that uh, in the right place. Because remember, if you remember the scene where Jesus goes into the temple, (laughs) right? And flips tables and he actually takes the time to fashion a whip, to use, I mean, you have to be pretty angry and upset at that point. But the interesting thing about Jesus, as we know, he, he was without sin. So there's a holy anger that is, you know, is acceptable in the scripture. And there's a way that it's carried out that we can carry out without sinning. But it, we, here we're talking about angry with someone that you are subject to judgment. It's a, it's a different, it's an unholy anger. And it's an anger that's not of God. And so let's just go just a step further. And it's only going to... Hurt our feelings even more as we go. Here's the second part. Here, if you call someone someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court, and then it goes on to further. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And so again, there is this progression, and there is this 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 anger that that. Uh, snowballs into something much bigger. And then picking up in verse 23, and this is where we're going to unpack a bit. Verse 23, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you should suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to speak to us today. God, I thank you for each person in this place. I thank you for those watching online. God, that our hearts would be open, Lord, to receive your message uh, for your church today. God, may it land on good soil. May it change us, Lord, in ways that are visible. And God, may we honor you in everything that we do from from today and what we learn. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen, amen. So again, we see, we see this part here about presenting a sacrifice uh, at the altar of the temple. Obviously, we don't bring, you don't bring livestock in here to sacrifice anymore. We don't, we don't see those types of things where we have like an altar and we're burning something. But when we gather together, when you, when you, we gather together, even when you're home by yourself, when you come to the Lord, you, you lift your voice in worship. You know what that is? It's offering a sacrifice to the Lord. When you pray, when, you, when you're laying yourself down in front of the Lord, you, you, are, you are offering, you're bringing your sacrifice to the Lord. And we are basically, we, we are laying ourselves down to, to the Lord when we worship God. And that's something I want us to understand, that we don't gather together just to sing songs. We gather together to worship. And this is what I was hitting on at the beginning when I started, talking about moving from, from here, or just lip service, to our heart being fully engaged, where we're pouring ourselves out to God. And this is, this is what sacrifice is. So when you come before the Lord, you are presenting this sacrifice, and it says, but, you know, if you realize or you remember suddenly that someone has something against you, So this means they've been offended, right? Somebody has something against you. You've offended someone, someone else, and, and, and it's regardless of if it was intentional or not. Some people in this, in this earth, I know, some people are very sensitive, right? And you say this or that, and, and somebody gets offended, and I get that. But the question is here is, is have you tried to resolve whatever that, especially if you are aware, this is one of the hardest, most, this is one of the most difficult things and it's, it's somewhat frustrating at times and maybe you've been in this situation before but where you discover something maybe a months or a year or even years down the road that this person has been offended towards you but they never said anything to you, right? Anybody been there? It's, it happens a lot, doesn't it? And most of the time, you're like, why didn't you just say something, <laughs> And a lot of the time, it's like, you'll hear what it was. You'll be like, I never met that. (laughs) That wasn't my intention when that happened. Or you misunderstood. So many offenses are over misunderstandings or assumptions being made that a simple conversation face-to-face would resolve. Okay? And so here we are, you know, we're understanding this, that when we come to the altar, though, and we know about something, and we haven't addressed it yet, what does it say to do? (laughs) Says, leave your sacrifice at the altar and what? There's a back there on the wall too. Go, right? Go. We have to go pursue that person and see hey, can, can we resolve this thing? During um, COVID, there was obviously a lot of things changed, right? In our society, in our world. And one of those things that, that took place was there was a lot of um, isolation. There was a lot of uh, disconnect from community. You know, Zoom made a whole bunch of money, if anybody had stock in that. It's like, who really knew about it before then? But everything went to Zoom, right? And again, it's, it, was, it's a, it was a great resource to have. But here's, uh, uh, there was an article in Psychology Today, and I, I was reading it. And this is what they said kind of from that, that time, that, that stretch of time. And it says this. It says, our results are clear. Face-to-face communication was much more important for lockdown mental health than digital communication. The multitude of digital communication devices and services available in the Western world still appear to be unequal substitutes for face-to-face interaction. Now... If you are like, like us here, we, we still use technology. We still use Zoom. We still, I mean, we live stream our services, and, and that is a great resource to have. We were talking about it, again, in our Next Steps class this morning. You know, if you're on the road or whatever else, you can always jump on if you can't be here physically. But as we've explained many times, you know, that, that should not be um, everything. That, that, that shouldn't be a replacement for gathering together is my point. When you can't be here and you need to jump online, that's great, but that should make you long to be together once again so we can be in community, right? And I want to encourage you today, this this resolving offenses face-to-face, 99% of the time, that is you sitting physically across from the person. Now understand, if For whatever reason, you know, we have friends on the other side of the world, and if there was an offense, I can't really jump on a plane and head over there. So, I mean, if you need to use a Zoom, that's a better option than just a phone call or a text message. Have you ever had that, you know, where somebody's breaking up with you via text or, you know, somebody just drops some huge news that is totally, oh, by the way, you're fired, LOL, thanks, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. There's probably an emoji combination that lets you know that, you know, and... See, that's wrong. That would be a time where a face-to-face conversation should take place. (laughs) You know, we're laughing a little bit about it, but that's... But we become that way, right? And, And trust me, I know, like, it's easier. Or you get behind that keyboard, and we call them keyboard warriors, and it can be social media, it can be the emails... And man, the boldness that comes out, right? And the things that are said, it's just kind of like let it just become a wasteland, you know, and with no consequences. You know why? Because if you sat across from a person and you said those exact same things, you would see the pain that your words are causing on their face. You would see it in their whole being. You may even see them begin to get choked up. And this is what's lost when we when we don't have this face to face conversation, these face to face interactions. And so that's why it's important for us to be here, to be present as best we can. Also, let me just say this too. Isn't it easier when you see the person all the time? One to know kind of where they stand. You can read there's body language plays a big part of things, right? If you've not studied that or learned, I mean, there's a, you can read a lot from a person just by their body language, and you're picking up on all those cues when you're talking to somebody. And so I want to encourage you here, again, by being here, being in relationship with one another, one, you see how that person is, and if they just kind of walk by you, don't talk to you, you know, hey, maybe there's a problem, and then you can address that. So being here, being Face-to-face is so critical. And, and if we are standing before the Lord, if we are worshiping and we're reminded of this offense that's out there, it is on us to go pursue that and try to resolve it. Now, again, I'm not talking about situations where there's you know, maybe physical harm is potential or there are certain things, or even when you go have that face-to-face, it may not be all you know, harps and birds singing and stuff like that, right? They may not receive what you have to say. But the point is that that you try to go and have that resolution and bring about that resolution in love. After that, then, you know, they they have to deal with that, all right? But we still need to try to resolve those things, and there are ways to do that. Uh, If you recall last week, we talked about Matthew 18, and I'm not going to unpack the whole thing again. You know, the process that we try to resolve conflict um, it is all laid out there. But I do want to read part of it, Matthew 18, verses 15 through 16. And I'm, I want to use the, the, it's a very paraphrased, the message translation. But just so it reads a little different because it can kind of, you can maybe hear it or see it from a different light. So 15 and 16 of Matthew 18 it says this. If a fellow believer hurts you, Go and tell him or her, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again, okay? So there is a process, the way that we resolve conflict, the way we resolve offenses in the church, and it all starts with you trying to have that conversation with that person, and if it doesn't work, then you, know, you can bring somebody that's spiritually mature from the church or a, a leader here, have that conversation again, and then there's that progression. And, and if they don't come around, and if it's something serious, then there's a progression that goes through. But there is a process, and it all starts with that initial conversation. Do we see that? It's important. And, and, and we need to learn how to do that again. There are so many offenses that could just be resolved, as I said, just for if you would sit down and you would listen to each other and we could work through it. You may not, you don't have to agree on everything, but you can definitely work through a lot of things. And unfortunately, you know, more time, not, well, I wanna say more times than not, but oftentimes when we've tried to, to walk this out with people here in the church, somebody bails. <laughs> somebody just leaves. They're like, well, I'm not gonna come back to the church. Because they're unwilling to come to the table, and, and let me just be blunt, they're unwilling to submit to the Word of God and what it says. Nobody ever said that submitting to this would be easy. In fact, there's there's visual, uh, you know, uh, v- visual illustrations and and the verbiage that's used are things like you know carrying your cross. <laughs> those that give up their life, you know, will lay down. They'll lose their life. You're going to lose your life. Maybe not all the time physically, but there is a, a cost to following Christ, and one of those costs. Is, is walking together and walking through those difficult things. And we have to submit ourselves to the word of God. And think about how sad that situation is. And I, I mentioned it last week a little bit. You know, that person leaves here offended, at best, probably worse. <laughs> they don't address the issue. And they obviously demonstrate that there's a bigger issue in their own heart, right? Because they won't submit to God's word and what, and what it looks like to walk in community, So understand that we, we need to do this. We, we need to learn to do this and just try it, right? Because God goes with you. That's where, if you remember the rest of Matthew 18, that's where that, that scripture that promises, you know, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. It's in those places where those conversations have to happen. And so God promises to be with us. So we resolve offenses face to face. Number two today, number four, five on the list, all right? Number five. We, last week we read together. Let's read that number five together. If you can read it. We serve others the way Jesus did. We serve others the way Jesus did. Initially it said we, we, we serve others. <laughs> but we added the way Jesus did to make sure we have a, an example, right? <laughs> There's different types of service. Can we all agree to that? <laughs> And we wanted to serve others the way that Jesus did. You know, I, I mentioned a few times we go out to eat at times, and I'm just struck at the decline of the service industry. And I understand there's some people that say, well, because they, they've been treated so bad. but also I think like during COVID, so many places learned that they could do business uh, through, through you know, the internet, online, through Zoom or whatever. It's like, it's like we're losing touch with that ability of just caring for someone else. And it's it's concerning. <laughs> you know, I I and I I say this cuz I worked in a restaurant when I was younger. I know what it's like and I know that you're not always treated the best. I get all that. But at the same time there's just like this lack I mean, you know, you'll go out and you'll get your food. <laughs> it might be tossed on your table or whatever, but you'll, it'll, the, it's like the, the actions are there, but the care is not. Now let's take that and, and hop over to <laughs> why we added the way Jesus did, because again, we can go through actions. We can have the appearance of serving one another, but if our heart isn't engaged in it, and if we don't truly care about each other, then it's a different kind of thing, isn't it? Many of us grew up in, 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 in churches or denominations where you know, you're, you're trying to kind of check the boxes, right? Well, here are the things that I have to do. Here, yeah, I've got to be at church this many times, and I've got to be at this event, and I need to be in three Bible studies, and I need to this, this, and this. And again, that doesn't. it's not like you're racking up, there's not like a point thing up in heaven, like you're like, oh, hey, Here's Jim's, you know, score today. He's the high scorer. It doesn't work like that. God wants us from our heart to give and to serve others the way that Jesus demonstrated. In John chapter 13, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to read a few verses here because I just want to really capture this because I think this is an important one for us to grasp today. John 13, beginning in verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He, he laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Now, again, this is like Jesus' final hours, right? Upper room stuff going on. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now let me pause there. This is Jesus, fully God, fully man. In, in one of the lowliest positions and acts you, could, you, can, you can fathom, and I'll unpack this a little, in just a moment some more. But here he is, all of the, the miracles he performed, I mean, thousands of people would follow him. And here he is serving in this, this lowly position, and, and we're going to explain what this, what this entails. But I want to just make sure we pause to just kind of take some of that in for a moment. Not to mention, it's, it's, it's kind of his last few hours, you know, with the disciples. And just remember... In somebody's final hours, the things that they say or do are, are things to take note of, right? Because we need to remember they, they, they've got death full in sight and they understand and these are the things that they want to leave behind. And so he does this, he takes this posture and i picking it back up in verse six. It says, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, him, what I am doing, do you not understand or you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. <laughs> Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my, hand, my my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Now, I don't know if any of you here have ever been a part of a foot washing ceremony. They still do that. Um, it's, really, it's awkward sometimes. It feels really weird, right? Not because of the way that they're washing your feet, um, but it's just, you're sitting there and it just feels super awkward to us because that's not something that we do often, right? I mean, I don't know how you guys are. Maybe you've got a friend that does that for you. I don't. Uh, <laughs> so I typically wash my own feet. That's my department. I handle that. <laughs> and I clip my own nails, too, so. Um, but if you're starting to say, man, Pastor, that's kind of gross. But my point is, and that's, it's all part of the plan, right? This is gross. (laughs) Beyond disgusting, which you could imagine. And during that time, if you're not aware, they did not have closed shoes. They had a lot of times wore sandals. And there were not automobiles. They were animals. Well-fed, large animals. I, I don't know if I need to diagram that out, but... (laughs) <laughs> there were no... And again, it's not like in a parade where you got the little happy guy with the, the wheelbarrow and the shovel and, and just scooping it up as we go. It was just left all over the road. And so guess what happens when you walk in sandals on a road with well-fed large animals with no shoveler? You discover where those animals have been. <laughs> and so that, those remnants end up on your feet, yeah? Not to mention, I mean, it's just the dirt and the dust and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it, is, it is disgusting. It's disgusting. Whatever that means for you, that's, it's disgusting. It's, it's, it would smell. It would look bad. Um, they were not like soft, smooth feet. These were, you know, calloused from walking and just all these miles that they'd have to put on do I, am I painting the picture okay? You guys with me? <laughs> Anybody need to exit to the bathroom for a minute? Um, but this act, this act, again, was, was the lowliest. It wasn't just a servant or slave that would do the washing. It was the lowest person on the totem pole, right? Like, you could be a servant in a household, but there was still a, a, a rank structure. It's so, all right, you're the new guy. There you go. You know, that's what their job was. When, when guests would come in, they would have to wash their feet. And so understand, a, a two, couple of things I want you to understand is, one, this was a common thing to be done in their time, you know, in that, in that day and age. It was, it was common. So it was a little more normal than when we sit down and somebody in one of those ceremonies wants to wash their feet, and I understand the significance of what it means, but it's weird because we don't have that done all the time. So this would have been normal in the sense But on the flip side of that, you can then understand the significance of Jesus, Son of God, the Messiah, fully God, (laughs) on his knees, washing the stuff in this lowliest of servant position. Not chief servant, but the lowest one, taking this position and washing the disciples' feet. So we have that picture in mind, and, and now there's, there's three takeaways I want to I gather from this, okay? As it said there in verse 14, if, 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 if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So he is demonstrating for his disciples where their attitude, where their heart should be. And there's three takeaways. First is this, is that Jesus here displays his humility and his servanthood as an example for his disciples. Let me just say, you cannot get down and wash somebody's feet in that time with that kind of stuff, in that setting, without having a, a true sense of humility. It, it, it's, it's impossible. You can't fake that. That was humility. And again, remember who we're talking about. This is Jesus. Jesus. Who really had every right. I mean, the guy walked on water, right? He raised people from the dead. Like, why are you washing feet? But he did it because he's showing his genuine humility and he's showing that he too was obedient, you know, to to God's will, his father's will, and how much he loves the disciples, and setting that precedent. Like, this is how you should be. This is where your heart should be, is at this place. The second takeaway is that, again, understanding that, that washing the disciples' feet, we see quickly here, we, it reveals the heart of the disciples, doesn't it? What do I mean by that? I, I think here, you know, when, when, when Peter's kind of like, "Don't, you know, you can't do that. <laughs> I struggle sometimes because I don't, I don't know if it was as much about because you're the Lord and you shouldn't do this. But that because in that time, you know, you didn't go to a school, you you had a teacher, right? You had a rabbi that you would follow and they would teach you and you would learn from that, and it was a highly esteemed, highly respected person. And I wonder if some of their opposition to him is that what does it look like when my rabbi is down on his his knees or and washing the dung off of people's feet? I'm embarrassed. And I wonder if that's, because I was sitting there, and I I put myself in their their shoes, and I'm wondering, like, is that, I wonder if there's something to that. It's just like when you're out with your dad when you're a kid, and you're like, Dad, don't do that. Dad, stop saying that. Don't say, don't tell that joke. (laughs) See, it's fun up here, because I can see all of your faces, and I know exactly who it applies to. (laughs) It's like, oh, there he goes again. <laughs> I remember this one time my uncle, I've shared this story, but it's worth sharing again. Um, large man, tall man, very loud, loud voice. We were in Pizza Hut. Remember back when Pizza Hut used to be the place to go, the buffet, all that stuff? So we were there, we were visiting. You know, we were out of town visiting them. My grandma was there. And they asked him to pray. And the guy stands up. And in the loudest voice you can imagine, with the most perfect King James Elizabethan English, he prays. Our most gracious heavenly Father, we beseech thee for our pizza, that thy would pour out thy presence. You know, it's, and you're sit, I'm sitting there like, I was like a 10 or something. I'm like, well, this is different. <laughs> the whole restaurant is looking, you know, and we're sitting there, and why? Because I was not proud of him at that point. I was embarrassed, okay? That's the reality. You know, we're embarrassed. I'm like, people can see and listen. They can hear you. And, and he just goes on. You know, he does his thing. And, and, and I'm wondering if it's some of that just was entwined here in this moment, where it was almost kind of embarrassing, right, for the person that I look up to, for the person that I respect, for the person who I know to be the Messiah getting down and washing my feet. What if somebody sees? And so I think it shows where their heart was. And I think Jesus in that moment was able to move their heart because he knew where their heart was, but he was able to shift it by what he just said. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, (laughs) and here comes the curveball, you ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to not be ashamed, (laughs) When someone else is, is serving you, you should not be in a place where you're embarrassed by getting down into a lowly position to serve someone else. The third takeaway, again, Jesus displaying his humanity, the disciples' hearts, and the third one, and probably one of the most important for us, is that it was symbolic to us today as to our part in the body of Christ. Christ. Imagine if we were a congregation, where everyone across the board—and again, you guys are great—and and we do we do a really good job serving. But imagine if all of us, with our full heart, just just really long to serve one another well. How can I serve you? How can how can I do better? How can I come alongside you? How can I serve you even in the lowliest task? Right. And we're, we're working on this, and there's, there's, there's stuff coming, and there are people whose hearts are inclined to really, how do we practically walk with somebody, even such as the most simplest of ways? And so stay tuned, because there's a lot more coming on that. But we need to be a congregation that serves well, and a congregation that serves others, not just how we think, but we serve others the way Jesus did. Amen? And as we come to this, this last one, as we begin to wrap up, let's read it together, if you can see it. We believe the best of one another. I want you to say that really loud one more time and mean it. (laughs) Okay. Right? Can you say that with your whole heart today? I hope so. We believe the best of one another. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says this. It says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Right? Never gives up. Notice all these kind of come back, they have love like woven through them. You notice that? So love never gives up. And that's what believing the best of somebody. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Another translation says it this way. It says, it is ever ready to believe the best of every person. We have to start from that place, church. And again, chief offender right here. Because I do try to, you know, and, and I think it's all of us, right? We naturally, you're trying to size somebody up. You're trying, you're, you're getting your cues, you're sort of like working out, or maybe, and I know this never happens, maybe you heard from somebody else how this person really is. Right? It happens. And I, I appreciate this about my wife because uh, I I just I respect her so much because she really, all the time, she's always reminding me, and even herself, we, we always try to do this because it's how quick we are to jump on the bandwagon about somebody, right? Like, we kind of size them up. But we have never talked to that person. Maybe we've never met that person. And if we stop, and even the most difficult person you could think of, <laughs> the most unlovable person you, you want to think of, a lot of times, and I've, I've experienced this so much through through the military, some of these real, like, these guys that are just pains in, in the, the, the fifth point of contact, as we say in the military. <laughs> you guys, one, two, three, four, and it's the fifth one. So... Their pain, And the, the problem is, though, is, is often, or the beautiful thing was, is times when I would just, we were stuck together, because you can't just say, hey, I want to transfer in the military. You're stuck. And so you just make it work. And as you begin to understand that person's story, and as I would take the time and I would just try to learn, and even though I didn't really like them at first, but then I'm starting to see behind the curtain, and then I'm like, oh, that's, that's why you are like, like this. And to watch them change. You know, because you took the time to understand. And so, you know, we, we have to believe the best in each other, especially here in the body of Christ. Understand this in case somebody has forgotten here today. We are all works in progress at different places in our walk with the Lord. <laughs> if you weren't aware of that, we'll, we'll help you remember, okay? We're works in progress. None of us have arrived. We're all being sanctified. And it's not going to be complete until we are, are, we are there on, on, on eternity before God. That is the process of sanctification, amen? One day we will be in the state of glorification. When we leave this earth and we leave these bodies and, and, and we, are, we are with Jesus and all things are made new, right? But in the meantime, we're all work in progress. Proverbs nineteen eleven. listen. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to l- overlook an offense. 1 Peter 4.8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Again, understand we have to walk in love to one another. And maybe if somebody does say something a little off the mark to you, or maybe it's just they're having a bad day, give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Extend that love of Christ and say, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know that's not this person or I don't believe that's this person. A Writer Greg Morris, he, he wrote this in an article, and I just want to share this briefly. He said this, he says, Yet if our sins have been unimaginably forgiven by God, and in Christ they have been, then we have been set free to lay down our subtle suspicions, our default distrust, and to assume the best of others. And I want to encourage us today, church, that is what we need to do especially in this place, in the body of Christ, amen? Believe the best in one another. And if you have a question, go talk to that person. If you're unsure about something or if they've offended you, I want to encourage you to that. So as we close, we will, as a church, all right, we will submit to the word of God. We love people unconditionally. We speak the truth in kindness. We resolve offenses face-to-face. We serve others the way Jesus did. And finally, we believe the best in one another. That is what we are going to abide by. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for last week and for this week and for, for these house rules. God, I thank you that these are not just rules that we've made up or just sat around and thought of, God, but that they line up with your word, with Scripture, and they are designed, Lord, to stretch us a bit. And God, I believe that no one in this room is truly living up to every single one of these rules, myself included. And God, those places where we are falling short, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you for your mercy and for your goodness there. And God, I pray that we will move in the direction, Lord God, of improving where we need to grow. God, for those of us who, who may not be believing the best in one another, God, I pray that, that we will work towards resolving those, those, those places of conflict or suspicion or concern. God, I pray that we would move to those conversations happening face-to-face, Lord God. And God, I, I pray and I believe too, Lord, if we are truly serving one another the way you called us to, God, it just melts our hearts, Lord God, if that's where our heart is, if our hearts are to serve one another, then, God, it's very hard to hold a fence towards somebody. So, God, I pray that we would be a church not with these beautiful rules on this beautiful wood sign on the wall, but, God, that we would be a church that truly lives by what is said and what we, what we have written in these different places, Lord God, that we would not just call them house rules, but that they would, we would live those out every day, every moment, both in this place and outside of it. God, that people would know by looking at our actions and the love we have for one another, that we are followers of Christ. And God, that that would move them towards relationship with you, that they would desire that they see something different than what they see in the world. God, may, may all the world around us know us, this community that may they know us, Lord, by our love. Our love for you, our love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen.